Hi, I'm Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. And in light of this Parents' Bill of Rights that just passed through the House, we had a chance to speak with Congressman Bob Good of Virginia. Parental rights in education has been a focal point in his state in recent years. We examined some of the issues within the American education system and what he thinks needs to be done. Congressman Bob Good, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you, Steve. Congressman, as a member of the uh, House Education Committee, if you could just tell us, what are some of the biggest challenges facing the education system right now? Well, the federal government and being involved with education would be number one. We ought not to have a Department of Education. It was a mistake when Jimmy Carter created it back in the 70s, and Ronald Reagan should have eliminated it back in the 80s. And so really what we need to be doing is dialing back the federal intrusion into the education system. It's bad enough to have your state capital, your state government telling your local county, your local city, how to run your schools and what you have to do. It's even worse to have it coming from Washington. Carson, we're seeing these culture wars play out throughout the country when it comes to this woke ideology. Where does this even come from? And I know you have a, a bill um, aimed at critical race theory. Uh, tell us about this. Well, we lost the battle from an education standpoint. We really surrendered about 50, 60 years ago. And you're now beginning to see Americans rise up and try to take back their schools. Uh, as you know, everybody's eyes were open during the China virus situation when the schools were shut down and, and kids were trying to learn from home and parents were much more involved with what was happening in the schools. They learned much more about anti-American ideology, uh, harmful, divisive, racist ideology being taught in the schools, policies such as transgenderism and sexualization of our school, our kids in, in elementary school even, books and materials that were being presented to kids in elementary school. You saw parents begin to rise up and stand up for their kids at school board meetings. And then what happens? of course, is the, 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 the Biden administration responds by labeling those parents essentially as domestic terrorists and tries to sick the FBI upon them. And so uh, Americans are rising up, they're recognizing what's wrong with their government schools, they're recognizing the harm that's being done to our kids in those schools, and they're trying to take back their schools. We're seeing activists stand up and fight to run for school board. Parents are getting involved. Uh, and the Republican Party recognized the ultimate responsibility for kids rest with the parents. Congressman, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk to you about the economy. Uh, the American economy uh, feels like it's in turmoil right now. Uh, you were a finance uh, person in your previous life. What do you think are some of the intrinsic factors uh, causing this instability right now? Well, you have a federal government executive branch that is really, uh, really uh, has contempt uh, for job creators, employers and businesses uh, th think thinks they exist to exploit their employees, to exploit their customers, but for the heavy hand of government to come in and to, to, to rescue them, if you will. And you saw uh, where the President Trump had cut seven to eight regulations for every new regulation, and we see the complete reversal of that with President uh, Biden and his administration. So one of the great things that's hurting the economy and hurting the, the country from an economic standpoint right now is that heavy hand of that burdensome regulation. In addition to uh, the war on American energy, when energy is such a huge component of our economy and you see uh, us penalizing uh, and uh, regulating and putting burdens and, uh, and obstacles in the way of affordable, uh, uh, reliable energy, fossil fuels, which God put in the ground for us to harvest, and you see us instead subsidizing and trying to incentivize with our tax dollars unreliable, unaffordable energy. That's really crushing our economy as well. And then you've got the threat of the Biden administration trying to raise taxes on all Americans, uh, whether it's corporate taxes that they don't understand 
that are ultimately paid by the consumer. And then you've got the massive amount of spending, of course, which is crushing Americans from an inflationary standpoint. And then he wants to pile on to that with a $6.9 trillion proposed budget. Virginia Congressman Bob Good, thank you so much. Thank you. The COVID-19 vaccine mandate for federal employees is still struck down. An appeals court upholding a rule which blocks President Biden's mandate. An appeals court in New Orleans yesterday ruled that the judge who initially blocked the vaccine mandate did indeed have the power to do so. The federal government said that Biden has the same authority as the CEO of a private company. They argued that Biden could require that federal employees be vaccinated. Biden put the mandate in place in September of 2021. A few months later, in January of 22, a federal judge issued a preliminary injunction blocking the mandate. At that point, nearly 98% of employees had already been vaccinated. And more on vaccine mandates. To learn about COVID regulation and other measures that were taken, Steve Deese is host of The Steve Deese Show on Blaze TV and author of the new book, Rise of the Fourth Reich. And we're happy to have him on to discuss. Steve Deese, thank you so much for joining us. You bet. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Steve, absolutely. Uh, U.S. Appeals Court has just upheld the block on the federal COVID vaccine mandate installed via executive order uh, back in 2021 by President Biden. Uh, what's to make of this? And are you still concerned of policies still in place or that could creep back in that violate basic civil liberties? I think there is a key juncture that occurred the last over the last few years of what what I've dubbed COVID stand that um, there's a there's a few of these moments that were tipping point moments that led us down uh, far, far further down the rabbit hole to the brink of losing our entire way of life. Uh, 30 days to slow the spread is one, not 15 days to flatten the curve. I don't blame anybody for saying, hey, you know, uh, let's get a timeout here uh, in the game. Let's see what we're dealing with and uh, and and find out exactly what is the real danger here. <clears throat> Pardon me, but the 30 days to slow the spread, that lost the entire narrative. Uh, uh, and at that point in time, we were uh, once that was enacted, we essentially were going to be sentenced to, with a few holdouts like my state of Iowa or Florida, Georgia, and a few others. Basically, the rest of the year was going to be lost to this virus. Another one occurred in 2021. On August 6th of that year, uh, Rochelle Walensky, the head of the CDC, uh, she went on CNN. Now, in fairness, since it was on CNN, not a lot of people probably saw it, okay? But she went on CNN and admitted to Wolf Blitzer on national television that the, with the advent of the Delta variant, the COVID vaccines no longer stopped the spread of the virus, no longer uh, were a firewall against transmission. She even went on to admit that the vaccinated could now get and also uh, spread COVID-19, which you would think before we even get to the constitutional question, I mean, we're just going to have a, a medical ethic debate about whether to mandate a product. Shouldn't it actually work? I mean, shouldn't it actually uh, stop uh, the transmission, actually be an inoculation? That's what most people think of when they think of a vaccine, an inoculation. One month to the day on September 7th, that's when President Biden went to the White House and made the announcement to enact the, the wicked policy. He said previously throughout the year he had no power to do, and that was a unilateral vaccine mandate. He enacted that an entire month after his CDC admitted the vaccines don't actually vaccinate. 
So before we even got to the constitutional question, which is what we're adjudicating now, in terms of medical ethics and in terms of violating the Nuremberg Code, which is what we talk about a lot in Rise of the Fourth Reich, this administration had already violated every last syllable of it and knew they were doing it. They knew what they were forcing people to inject in order to work wasn't going to work. They already knew this. They were already admitting it, which means there were no benign or innocent reasons for why they did this. Steve, lastly, uh, before we let you go, uh, briefly, if you could just tell us how difficult do you think it is to sort of quantify the damage that's been caused by what you've termed COVID fascism, and what is the role of big pharma in all of this? Well, to, to accurately and precisely quantify it, we would need to have a tribunal. Uh, and that's what we call for in Rise of the Fourth Reich, a Nuremberg-like tribunal uh, where we put people under oath on trial and we put it all online, on television, uh, and, and, and we use the full force and weight of a justice system, if we still had more than just a system, uh, of a justice system to actually get to the truth of this and then hold people accountable for their role and how far down the aforementioned rabbit hole goes. But I'll give you just one data point to, to sort of uh, make the case. On March 15th, uh, a preprint out of Australia was published. 95% of Australians over the age of 16 went through at least one round of the full poison poke uh, of the toxic jab. 95%. Australia has seen a, an increase in excess deaths since the rollout of the, the toxic jab program of over 41,000 excess deaths, over 41,000. If we were to prorate that to the population of the United States, that would be over a half a million, over a half a million. The CDC has its own program that it doesn't tell you a lot about, not theirs, which we know about, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, but it's called VSAFE. And it's a survey of over 10 million COVID jabbed that they have been keeping tabs on from the beginning. They just don't talk a lot about this in public. And what they found is about 7% of those who took the COVID jab, an absurd number. In the past, we've shut down vaccines that got anything close to 1%. 7% of those who took the COVID jab experienced some serious or major adverse event up to and including death. Well, if you do that math, here's what you find. There's about a 1,066% higher, higher higher likelihood that you will suffer a major adverse event from the COVID jab than you will actually perish from COVID. Uh, it's well over 500% uh, that you'll suffer a major adverse event from the jab than you would actually uh, have to go to hosp be hospitalized for COVID, even going back to the very beginning, the deadliest parts of the pandemic. So those are just a couple of data points right there that indicate this is worthy of wider scrutiny and certainly wider accountability. Steve Deese, author of Rise of the Fourth Reich and host of The Steve Deese Show on Blaze TV. Thank you so much. You bet you. Thank you very much for having me. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.